Why is it that so many nurses leave their positions within 10 years? Would you believe that in large part it's because of bullying? Not by doctors or administrators or patients, but by each other, both in person and online. Today's guest is here to teach us about this issue, which I suggest many of us were completely unaware. Dr. Cheryl Delasega, professor at Penn State College of Medicine, welcome to Mind Talk. Thank you. Now, you have been very busy writing and doing a number of things. Uh, you're the author of Mean Girls Grown Up, Girl Wars, and today we're discussing the second edition of when nurses hurt nurses. So the first question Correct. I have to ask you is a second edition? Why was there even a need for a first edition? Is this a thing? Does, Good does question. this really happen? Oh, yes. My research has really documented that. And it's not so much the bullying, it's the conflict and the relationship part of the work environment that is challenging for nurses because I'm a nurse. I know what it's like to work, you know, a long, long shift. You never get to sit down. Uh, patients and families are a little more challenging and a little sicker. You know, it's a high acuity environment. And you may not get a break. I mean, you may not get lunch or a bathroom break even during your whole shift. So it's a unique work environment. Well, it sound, when you describe it in that way, it sounds completely exhausting almost from the moment you walk in the door. If you had a chance to yeah. leave the night before. <laughs> yes, it can be. And that's a good point. You know, lots of times there's that kind of drag over of things that happened the day before or thanks to social media. There are things that go on in the evening or off time that still influence the work environment and your colleagues. So you talk about relational aggression. But before we get to that, and I do want to get to that, but before that, is it true that nurses actually harm each other on the on the work site? What I find is that nurses and your um, statement about nurses leaving the work environment, thank you for bringing that up because, yeah, some recent studies have just shown that 60% of nurses leave within eight years. And a big part of that is the relationships, the relational environment that they work in. It's not so much, yes, it's a hard job, and yes, it requires a lot of skill and knowledge, but it's really the coworker, the environment, the milieu that you work in, and all of these relationships that you're surrounded by. And when there's conflict, it can come out in terms of nurse to nurse, because no nurse is going to be you know, kind of sharp with a patient or rude to a patient, but they will be rude and sharp to each other. So tell us about relational aggression. What exactly mm -hmm. is that? You talk a, a lot about that in your book, When Nurses Hurt Nurses. I do, and it's also not unique to nurses. I've done a lot of work looking at corporate and girls and women in other um, environments, but it's really this set of behaviors, and that's the important part about it. Behaviors can be changed, but it's this set of behaviors where you use a relationship to hurt another person. So it's putting them down in front of a group. It's inviting others out and not including one or two people. It's not helping someone. I hear that from nurses a lot, like that there'll be a group of people that help each other with work and they exclude 
the new person or the person that you know they don't like, they won't help with their work, even though they could, they're available. It's kind of that gossip. And now more and more through social media, it's like these snarky texts or pictures or whatever ends up in Instagram or Facebook or wherever it might travel that kind of put down another person, you know, in this relational way. It's not pushing, it's not shoving, it's not hitting. It's all of these emotional kinds of things that nurses and women seem to use more often than physical violence. That's where men come in, the physical violence. Okay. So that sounds like emotional abuse. Would you call it It that? It can be. Okay. It can be. Yep. So in the workplace, if there are, let's say, two nurses working on a shift and one of them just continually makes sort of snide comments about the other nurse, either professionally or personally. Is that an example of what you're talking about? That's a perfect example. And it can be something like putting that other nurse down in front of a patient. It can be putting the nurse down in front of colleagues. It can be just one-on-one, like, oh, you know, you're just not measuring up. A, A new nurse tends to get a lot of it because a new nurse comes in and he or she can be unsure of themselves and kind of never really had a lot of um, experience with actual patient care because a lot of it is simulated now in training. And so they're uncertain and kind of a more mature nurse might say, well, I, you know, I learned by fire. I had people do these same behaviors to me. I'm actually helping toughen them up. And that, that leads to the dynamic. But it also sounds that in reality, it can have the effect of really leaving that nurse feeling smaller and smaller and smaller. Yep. And wanting to leave. Is yeah. So this... we know from exit interviews, if a nurse leaves before they complete orientation, it's almost always because of relationships. And before they even complete orientation, that's pretty early on in their career. Well, it's a couple of months that we do orientation now. You know, there's like a an orientation period that lasts two or three months generally, yeah. That still sounds like a short amount of time. You, yeah, you, yeah. What about the male nurses? More and more we see male nurses. I mean, it's still predominantly a female occupation, but do male nurses tend to treat each other or other female nurses in the ways that you're describing now? That's one of my future research questions because only about, I think it's about 8% still of male nurses or of nurses are male, but it's becoming increasingly attractive as a profession to men and especially second careers, women too. But we haven't really looked. I know I've heard a lot and it's in my, one of my other books about men being treated like you're the man, go help lift the patient or I, from patients not wanting a male to take care of them or kind of that stereotypical. And sometimes I've heard about men being sort of this subtle sexual harassment from women because they're the man and they're one of the only men. And so it, you know, it can seem like fun, but it's really kind of a microaggression. You talk about um, different kinds of behaviors that are un, uh, unacceptable. And in sort of preparing for our conversation today, I read about horizontal, lateral, or vertical violence. So what does that mean? Yeah, within the field of nursing, there's been a lot of discussion about what we name this 
this phenomena. And so there's this idea that um, nurses can be use these relationally aggressive behaviors with other nurses, hence the horizontal violence. But I prefer relational aggression because it's a set of behaviors that people have identified for me again and again. And it can be the clerk on your unit who is, you know, maybe a little passive aggressive and doesn't give information to some people that, that he or she should. It could be the environmental um, people that work on cleaning and so on can get it from nurses or give it. I mean, it, it's a dynamic that can go either way. It can happen between, you know, medical staff and nurses, nurses to medical staff, medical students sometimes come on and nurses can have this kind of dynamic with them. So yeah, it can go in multiple directions, which is why I've, I've not used the term horizontal violence. Okay. The, uh, the, the term, the phrase, nurses eat their young. You talk about that. It sounds pretty ominous. It sounds like nobody would want to go there. Why would somebody want to go into nursing if these kinds of difficulties are just there in the fabric? Great question. And I'm glad you asked it because nursing is still a wonderful profession. There is nobody kinder than another nurse working alongside you who sees that you're in distress. I mean, I've seen nurses do incredibly nice things, give up their paid time off, just be very supportive to a colleague who's struggling. So it can go in a positive direction. And it's still a profession where you're helping people feel better or at least cope with distress in the moment. So it's a very noble profession. And um, the final thing I would say is these are behaviors that can change. I've aptly actually implemented programs to reverse this and they work. So there's a lot of it is insight and I've used my programs with other groups too. And sometimes we just don't realize that we're interacting in a certain way or that our Tension and conflict from other areas are manifesting in relational aggression. We're going to go to a break uh, in, in just a second. But when we come back, I'd like to talk about how one can tell if he or she is engaging in acts that could be seen as aggressive or harmful because some people may not know. So that's where we'll start. Folks, this is Pamela Brewer. You're listening to Mind Talk. I am having a conversation with Dr. Cheryl Delasega, who is the author of When Nurses Hurt Nurses. We'll be right back. Dr. Delasega, for those listening who perhaps may be nurses themselves or considering going into a related field, how can one tell if he or she is engaging in behavior that's really unobjectionable, that is objectionable, excuse me, and harmful? Sure. I think that that is the issue, right? Often we don't know because I think very few people are intentionally cruel. 
So in my books, I have a lot of resources, like little assessments you can do of yourself and, you know, questions you can ask. And I think it's, you know, looking, taking a hard look at yourself. Sometimes it's looking at your past and looking at the relationships you've had and the hurtful experiences you've had. Sometimes we react in a hurtful way because we've been hurt in the past. So before someone can launch it against us again in the present, we do it. So the first thing to do is to just kind of look over the relationships and the quality of the relationships. Are you one person that in all domains of life, you know, really has trouble connecting with other women, hasn't had women friends, hasn't been satisfied with the quality of your female friends. It can even go all the way back to middle school and high school years when this whole kind of way of interacting gets set up in a person's mind and you don't know any other way. You know, as we're talking about, uh, the ways in which nurses hurt other nurses. From the outside looking in, I could certainly imagine somebody listening really being angry that this happens because they come in contact with nurses. We all do. And sort of wondering, mm-hmm. well, what, what's going to happen to me? But the more you talk about the ways in which it can show up, and sometimes the lack of awareness that you, your fact, are showing up in that way, um, it, it almost sounds like there's a need for a great deal of compassion as one tries to tackle these issues. I believe so. Yeah. Because I don't think it's intentional. Um, Granted, there are some pathologies where it is, but I think it's this perfect storm of a very challenging workplace that's getting increasingly challenged. Now we have nurses who work 12 hours, which means you're really working 14 hours till you get there, you know, do your 12 hours, wrap up, do report, and get home. So ask yourself, if I ask myself this, could I really be giving, you know, on a busy day, like just be on for 14 hours and be pleasant to other people and be constantly taking care of people, never lose my cool, go without lunch, go without dinner, go without a bathroom break, go without sitting down. Could I do that and still, you know, maintain my pleasant personality? I don't know. It almost sounds like there's something wrong with the way shifts happen, and I understand that in a medical environment, anything can happen at any time. But if there were even a different look at shifts, even if you had a forced, if you will, break that the hospital could not take away from you, would that help? I think so. I mean, there are a lot of hospitals that do have mandatory breaks, but I bet you, you or I, I know I would, if there's a crisis, I'm not going to leave and go get myself lunch if one of my patients is tanking and needs constant observation and there's nobody else to cover for me. Yeah, that's true. So we're exploring creative alternatives to get nurses kind of like a mini break or just a mindfulness moment. And those kinds of things do help. But um, the shift work thing was was designed for hospital administrators because now we have 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And it's fewer nurses and just, you know, it was it was not designed with the well-being of nurses in mind. Lots of nurses say they like it because they get more days off. But the studies have shown that you never recover from the fatigue of the previous shift and that just by the the most medication errors are made at the end of those long, long shifts many days in a row. Which makes a lot of sense. You talk about PTED. Now, 
many of us know about PTSD, but what is PTED? Well, that would be to think of a very emotionally distressive event in your life. And you do suffer. Like, it only takes one thing. And so many nurses have something very emotional that happens to them that stays with them throughout their career. What I find in talking to individual nurses, and I've heard so many stories, is that a nurse begins to question, and I'm going to say her because most nurses are female, begins to question their ability as a nurse, question their, you know, whether I'm a worthwhile nurse, whether I do a good job here and putting all this effort into it. And I have somebody, you know, lash out at me who is my colleague, like maybe I'm just not that very, very good. And maybe I'm in the wrong career. So I call that a post-traumatic emotional um, disorder because it never leaves you. It, it imprints in your mind. And there it sits often for years. It can. Mm, yeah. Not always. Yeah. You talk about cyber relationship aggression. I mm. think I think that for many people, the idea of cyber aggression, they they connect that with chil- with mean children being mean to each other. It certainly can be connected to an adult stalker, uh, really trying to be harmful towards somebody. Does it have a different look when you're talking about nurses? Well, I think in the hospital environment, yes, um, definitely. Like because you're paging people, you're texting people, you're using social media to connect in a professional way. But then there's this whole thing of like I've had nurse managers ask me like, should we have a policy that nurses can't use Facebook on their work time because maybe they're you know communicating with you know somebody um, a friend or whatever and getting emotional support or maybe there it's a slow day and they want to use Facebook should they be allowed there's also the perception like I've heard of families and patients thinking nurses are indeed just you know Instagramming or whatever on their their phones when in fact they're looking up medications because there's some really good apps now with medication doses and side effects so some nurses will keep their phones right on the med card or right handy so they can take it out and look up. So there's all of these, like, what are the parameters and the boundaries? We know you can't, you know, HIPAA prevents us from taking pictures of patients. And, but sometimes people are taking pictures of their coworkers in them and something's in the background that's objectionable. Or so It's a really dicey area in terms of what's right and what, you know, is going to get you into trouble. And then there can be all kinds of in an emergency or in a time of conflict, sending a text that you wish you could recall, sending an email you wish you could recall, you know, sending a Twitter, whatever it is, um, to one of your coworkers. It kind of sounds like you're saying nurses are human beings too. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> if a lay person is seeing what they would consider to be inappropriate uh, behavior between nurses, is there anything they should do or should they just keep their mouths shut for fear of really annoying the nurse even more? Ah, excellent question. Now, when you say layperson, if you're thinking about a sick patient, unfortunately, they often can't have the agency to speak up. But I, I do encourage witnesses because they're an important group bystanders and it, 
the second edition is actually called What to Do yes. When Nurses Hurt Nurses. So one of the strategies is speaking up and you can do it in, in like a, you know, not a like, hey, you guys, you're being like really awful to each other. But you can be like, wow, you know, it seems like there's something really tense going on or, gee, it seems like, you know, there's some conflict here. Can I help? Or, hey, you know, can I do you guys need a timeout? Can I, you know, cover something for you or can I? you know, walk with you down the hall and just, you know, end this, what seems to me to be a conflict so that, yeah, you can speak up. And I think it does mean something when an outside person who's not part of the conflict is witnessing it and letting the two people engaged in the conflict, if it's just two people, know that, hey, this is impacting me too. You know, just watching this, and we know from studies as well, it's distressing to watch. It's awful to come into work and know that, you know, two, two of the nurses that you work with are going to be going at each other all day. So sometimes even just like standing between or, you know, coming alongside physically and just standing and being there silently can be a helpful thing because a one-to-one and a person who's more aggressive, they might be less willing to do that behavior when there are more people around observing. I know that there are... Uh, organizations and programs that are available to clinicians who find themselves involved with substance abuse. Are there similar kinds of programs, maybe anger management, maybe communication skills that are available to nurses and other clinical professionals who are involved in aggressive relationship issues? Well, there's a career for you. <laughs> I don't know of any any real, I mean, like we're trying to do at the institution where I am currently, we're trying to do more things for everyone to promote a healthy work environment, be that mindfulness, be it stress management, be it team building, be it conflict resolution. But I really do think that there's a place, and I get these emails, they're very poignant, and they make me very sad about nurses that have been involved in situations either as the person who's been a little bit too aggressive and regrets it and wants to change their relational style or nurses that have been the targets or even the witnesses. So I think there probably could be a very very helpful, uh, some of our nursing organizations are having more conferences that focus on, you know, what happens in the workplace when this goes on or how do we educate students so this doesn't happen. But there's not really a group for, you know, uh, specifically to focus on this area. Well, I guess you're going to have to create it. Maybe. You just gave me a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we will return. My name is Pamela Brewer, and I'm having a conversation with Dr. Cheryl Della Sega, who is the author of many things, including her most recent book, the second edition, What to Do When Nurses Hurt Nurses. We'll be right back. Dr. Dallasega, would you say in general 
that organizations, hospitals, uh, primary care facilities, would you say that they know about this issue and would you say they care about this issue? More and more they know and they care because I forget the latest figure, but replacing a nurse like who's gone partway through orientation and left or even an experienced nurse, we're talking, you know, many like 24,000 upward dollars to replace that nurse. And so this has made it more urgent. Plus, it's just a matter of, I think that when nurses are satisfied in their work environment, they're more engaged and they want to stay in the institution. They want to advance their career. We don't know if they provide better patient care, but it seems sort of logical that if all of those things are in place, you're going to be free to focus on your patients and doing the best for them that you can instead of having to deal with all of this other, like, flack in the environment. If you, as a nurse or as a patient, see the aggression and you don't feel as though you can talk to the individuals, who do you take it to? Would you take it to, like, the managing nurse would you feel com- I mean, where do you go? Exactly, yeah. Well, patients fill out a patient satisfaction survey. Okay. So they can certainly express it there, and, and I hope they do, because that's been an, a powerful. There's more of a voice for patients these days than they may realize. For an individual nurse, um, I usually recommend that they try, if they can, to have a sit down and I have a whole way, it's called careful confrontation, a whole way of trying to sit down with the person that, you know, you're having issues with off of the work environment in a neutral setting and just share your observations. It's easy to get very emotional, but just saying, listen, I want to do the best job I can. I want to be a good coworker for you. And I'm feeling like I'm not. And here are some of the things that, you know, like this comment was made and I didn't understand what that meant. So can you just tell me, you know, is that your perception too? And get a conversation going. And that would be the first place to start. Sometimes there are nurses that are just not going to change and they're known to be difficult. And then you need to go to your nurse manager and have a a conversation much like the careful conversation. Like this isn't about she doesn't like me or this isn't about she upset me emotionally. This is about I want to do the best job I can and I'm getting this feedback back. So I need to know from you, you know, is it legitimate feedback? Are there things I need to change? Or do we need to look at kind of the whole work environment and having a better team dynamic? So what I'm hearing is what we often refer to um, as mental health clinicians as the I statements versus the you statements. It's a lot easier to hear and it's a lot more productive. Exactly. And actually, I think it better gets at what's really going on, at least for one of the parties, if not all of the parties. Definitely. And there's just a a, uh, power to being heard and to voicing these things rather than, you know, going being miserable because you're on the receiving end of it and you don't know why and you're starting to doubt yourself. Dr. Delasego, where can someone go to find out more about the work and the research that you're doing? 
Yeah, just Google me. <laughs> the only problem <laughs> is you have to get my name right. D-E-L-L-A-S-E-G-A. Sometimes it's a hard last name. But yeah, if you Google me, I have several different, like I have my work website and my personal website. And pretty much everything is on there, including contact information. Terrific. Uh, I failed to mention that you are also a professor at Penn State College of Medicine. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, you can get to me through Penn State as well. So it sounds like um, I'm hoping that you're taking some of your own advice and getting good rest because you sound really busy. Yeah, (laughs) this has been a busy time. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking some time to spend it with the Mind Talk audience. I very much appreciate what you're doing and the time you've given us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It has been my pleasure. And folks, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you as an educational public service. It is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is produced by Jim Brown and 26. 26- uh, by two communications. If you would like to listen to Mind Talk on demand, you can always go to the Mind Talk website. That is M Y N D T A L K dot O R G. You can email me at Pamela, P A M E L A, at Mind Talk. I'll spell that for you again M Y N D T A L K dot org. It's available 24 7. You can listen to any number of the Mind Talk conversations. And remember always, folks, if it's unacceptable, then it's unacceptable. You take care. 